0: Welcome to the Sober Podcast, part of the Soberverse created by the team at the Sober Network. The Sober Network is engaged in revolutionizing the treatment industry by creating its own token economy. We offer fresh ideas to an industry that has relied on dated interventions. We are responsive to a new generation of substance users who are attached to their phones so we can impact massive social change. Our unmatched technology displays solutions of our various brands, demonstrating a thorough understanding of how we get things done. We are proving that technology, along with incentivized human accountability, provides measurable and positive outcomes. Visit us at SoberNetwork.com.
1: Welcome to the Sober Podcast. I am your host, Jamie Brickhouse. And in honor of Memorial Day and all the veterans lost in serving our country, we have got Sober celebrity guest, J.R. Weaver out of Costa Rica. J.R. is an Army veteran, the CEO and founder of Recovery Revolution, an award-winning author of The Addiction Manifesto, Community affairs officer for Costa Rica Recovery and a writer for Recovery Today magazine. JR has been in recovery since November 10th, 2017, and is here to recover out loud. Thank you for joining us on the Sober Podcast, JR. It's an honor to have you on the show.
2: Thank you, Jamie. I'm happy Man. to be here.
1: Great. Well, thanks for your service to the country. Um, how long were you in active duty?
2: How long I did? A total of eight years, three years active, five years in the reserves and National Guard. Okay. Um,
1: 1987
2: to 1995. Okay. Oh, cool. And,
1: um, you know, many veterans uh, struggle with substance abuse and mental health. Did your service in the Army go hand in hand with your sobriety and addiction?
2: It did. It did. Uh, I was like so many other veterans. I found myself the day that I left active duty was the day that I realized that I had lost a huge support system that was, you know, structured for veterans because right. it's, it's such a tight knit knit community. That uh, I mean, you you live together, you train together, you work together. I mean, it's like twenty four seven, three sixty five, and these are the guys that. You know, you go to war with that. You know, you would die for. You know, so losing that that support system really affected me once I got out. Which, which at the time I didn't fully, I couldn't fully understand it because I I left active duty to go to enroll in college, and I thought I would breeze through college. Mm-hmm. And I found myself uh, lost. I was like, uh, you know, without my uniform, I didn't know who I was anymore, and, and I found myself. You know, I was back in my hometown, but I felt like I was a stranger in a strange land. It's like I couldn't really identify with anybody or anything anymore. It's like, uh, you know, I kept everybody at, at arm's distance. I wouldn't let anyone get close to me. So the only thing that really I could think of doing was to drink alcohol, because that was one of the things in active duty was uh, we we trained hard and we played hard. So right, after- right. You know, so it was my go-to at the time and, and it started, uh, you know, drinking. But I suppose night.
1: it sounds like with, within the confines of, of of the service, if your addiction was there, it, it sounded like it was it was kind of reined in with the play oh, hard right. work hard, or work hard, play yeah, hard.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, as long as you could get up at six o'clock in the morning and, and do a hundred push-ups, run five miles, you know, <laughs> they didn't care what you did the night before. But I found in uh, civilian life, it was uh, totally different, you know, it was like, uh, you know, I'm enrolled in college, my, my, uh, my freshman year. And it was like, uh, I just, I couldn't sit still in the class. I couldn't focus. I couldn't concentrate. And I just, it was, I was pretty much uncomfortable in my own skin, you know? Uh-huh. And so it led to some late night drinking, uh, late night drinking and it started to turn into day drinking is between classes drinking. I mean, I ended up spending about seven years in college burning through my uh, army college fund GI bill with really nothing to show for it. And it was, it came to the point to where at the end, it was like, I have to get out of Charleston, you know, to get out of this place because I saw the, I saw the the negative behavior patterns forming. And I was like, well, let me move up to New York. Yeah. I had relatives up there. And And I I moved up there, you know, used my military experience to land some great jobs, some great opportunities, you know, for someone with really basically no work experience outside the military. But, you know, these companies were willing to take a a chance on on a guy like me. And, you know, these these were fantastic jobs, high paying jobs. And and at the end, it was the alcohol that caught up with me. Again, it was like, uh, you know, drinking it was limited to the weekends, then it started, you know, coming into in during the week. And that's when, you know, I started calling out to work. I was hungover all the time. Right. Right. You know, and uh, you know, maybe fast forward five years into this this pattern, if it, it got to the point to where the alcohol wasn't taking me to where I wanted to go fast enough. So that's when, you know, I let the hard drugs come into my life. And that's when my life really started uh, spiraling downhill. You know, it, it ended up uh, losing a great job, losing my, the place that I was staying. And I ended up having- the drugs just set it Carolina. up. Wow, right. Like you say, you know, it's a progressive disease. It just keeps taking, taking, taking until you, you have nothing left. So I ended up uh, packing up my, my, my truck, my Jeep, and driving back to South Carolina thinking, okay, I'll leave this, you know the people places and things behind again, you know and and when you know it, like the first couple weeks back home, it's like uh I found it I found the dope spots, you know and, and and it just continued on and it got worse before the end of the first year back i I found myself doing my first prison bid, really so okay. it's, yeah it uh, my, it really took over it took my life. you
1: it, it took you down low, yeah
2: yeah it hit me hard and and you know, being being a veteran, you know, thinking that oh, I can figure this out, you know, they I, they've trained me for stuff like this. But you know, the reality is we, we weren't trained for anything like that. You know, we're, we're trained for enemies that that we can see and, and and fight against. But when the enemy's inside your own head, it, it's it starts taking on a different meaning. You know, it's like I was totally unprepared. You know, and and it's like no matter how hard i tried i kept failing and my life just kept you know deteriorating it started affecting my, my me my relationships with my family with my friends it was pretty soon it my addiction had isolated me again and you know it it i ended up being homeless you know bouncing in and out of jails for like the next 10 out of the next 20 years and then it was uh, at the end in 2017 I ended up catching felony charges in three different counties. And that's when uh, I finally reached out to the the VA hospital in Charleston and and admitted that I I couldn't do it on my own. I mean, I I needed help, you know, and fortunately they got me into a a drug court program and that changed my life. I mean, I was able to uh, graduate that program. No, no issues. And I, I used that to become a senior mentor for Veterans Treatment Court in Charleston. You know, I got to, uh, you know, start my up, start up my own 501c3 recovery, you know, nonprofit, you know, I was able to do the vet talks, speaking engagement in 2019, wrote the book. I mean, it really, recovery really changed my life.
1: And you came back in a big way. So do you think... um... That's, you know, so when you left the armed services uh, back in the mid-90s, you, you know, lost your, you felt like you lost your identity and and sense of purpose, right? right. And then the, the alcohol and the drugs spiraled out, as you just told us, in a big way. Um, so after you got sober, uh, what gave you a sense of purpose and identity? And I think you just started telling us about it, but.
2: Okay. Um, I, I'm a firm believer that the opposite of addiction is connection. So mm-hmm. when I was, when I committed the treatment at the VA hospital, it was a combination of the treatment and being in treatment with other veterans. It was something that I felt like I was missing since I left active duty. So being around other veterans really pulled me up, you know, and it's, it's, it's amazing you know, once you start feeling connected, you you know, you find a new identity, you find purpose. So, you know, my it's it's sort of like my life work now is, is to keep giving back because, you know, we both know that it, that's the best feeling in the world is when you're doing service work.
1: Absolutely. And to keep it, you've got to give it away, right?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I believe it.
1: Great. Well, we're going to take a quick uh, commercial break and stick with us. We'll be right back talking to JR.
0: Hi, I'm Sonia, the founder of Everbloom. We help you change your relationship with alcohol through connection and conversation. We provide small group meetings where you can share your story and get the encouragement and support you need to achieve your goals. Whatever your goals are, we're a judgment-free space. You can find us at joineverbloom.com, B-L-U-M-E, and try us out with a free meeting.
1: And we're back talking to JR. if someone was struggling with losing their sense of self and purpose, what advice would you give them? And well, you know what before you say before we go there, let's there you know you you've you hit on a um uh, a key issue that for a lot of people in this country, which are our veterans uh, in particular who have such a strong uh sense of purpose and identity in the armed services and that you can. Lose that um, when you're no longer in that world, and then I think there's so many people, and I had that, I had that too. When I, you know, when people uh, have so much of their identity and and purpose locked up in their career, um, in their job, and maybe are sometimes in a relationship. Uh, but I remember I experienced that when I uh, I got fired from a job I had gotten to the the top in my uh, in my career and was fired because of drinking and um and it you know it wrecked me uh so it's a it's a great topic because so many people um have to deal with this and that said um i'll go back to the question what kind of advice would you give to someone struggling with that loss of identity
2: okay um my advice would be to keep trying, to keep picking yourself up. I mean, each time, you know, I that I failed, you know, it was like another challenge for me to, to pick myself up, you know, maybe even, you know, like they say, all rock bottoms have basements. I mean, I thought I hit my rock bottom so many times, but in the end, when I was facing a lot of prison time and faced with the challenge, either I could you know, pick myself up and get my my life together, or you know, I could accept my fate. And, and personally, I believe that each one of us goes through what we go through to grow through it. I mean, like uh, I heard an interesting quote. Oh wait, say him. that
1: again. I like that. I whenever someone says something, I want to hold on to a good little nugget. Say that again.
2: Each one of us goes through what we go through, so we can grow through it, and. Right. I, heard, I heard a great quote the other day in a Zoom. It was a uh, guy was like, uh, "Define who you are by who you want to be." I mean, and it resonated with me. It's like, uh, you know, do I want to be this this addict, this this you know person struggling with substance use disorder, or or is there more to me than what I was believing was my destiny? You know, to, to die out there on the streets. And it came to a point to where it's like, you know, I am better than this. I do deserve to be happy because, you know, we both know that, you know, addiction will will blind you. You know, that that temporary escape from reality also, you know, escapes us from life. You know, we we may numb the pain, but we also numb the joy. Yeah. We're just in that maintain phase, you know. And and to me, it's like a. so oh, I love that
1: too. That, uh, just about addiction, I've never said it, heard it put that way. Is that you know I was one of those drinkers that I drank because it was fun and it was to make you know a part of a fun party, funner, etc. And then and then drank to numb the pain as things got on. But then you, but like you said, you end up numbing the joy, um, which I think is so true, and, and that a lot yeah, of sight Yeah, that, and
2: that's that's addiction's mo is, is to, to get us to believe all of this stuff like, Oh yeah, I love you. But I'm like, what kind of love is this that you're destroying my life that you're putting me back and forth and, you know, behind bars that, you know, I'm separated from my family you know, they disown me, you know, I'm living off the streets, living in back seats of cars, sleeping on floors. I mean, to me, that's not. love.
1: Mm-hmm. I now, mean, yeah, no. And, you know, you, um, when you hit rock bottom, you went back to the uh, VA hospital. Um and found a lot of help. Is, is that right?
2: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It was. But
1: uh, and since it's Memorial Day weekend, what um, what kind of uh, uh, advice do you have specifically to veterans who are were suffering suffering from alcohol and and um, uh, substance abuse?
2: Ask for help. I mean. A lot of us. Or rather, you know, where can okay. they
1: find it? I mean,
2: oh OK. Um, I mean, you contact the Veterans Crisis Line. You can contact any local VA in your area. I mean, I was speaking with a veteran yesterday. that was in crisis and I, as as bad as I wanted to, to help him. But, you know, I was in Costa Rica. He's in uh, Michigan. Mm-hmm. It's like uh, my resource knowledge is limited to his area. So I reached out to the Veterans Crisis Line and had them schedule a phone call with him so they could help him. I mean, as you know veterans, it's a tight-knit community. I mean, like I was telling you earlier, we, we bleed together, we sweat together, you know, so I mean, each vet helps in helping another vet. I mean, even if you hit rock bottom, I mean, if you think about it like this, rock bottom is a great place to rebuild your life because you're you're getting rid of all the negative things and you can rebuild your life as you as with things that actually give back to you that that feed you, feed your joy, you know, feed your happiness, yeah. You know, instead of letting it just beat you down, like like it has so many others, I mean, it's. I, I look at the, uh, the overdose rates, and it's 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 insane. I think it was one hundred twelve thousand last year. I mean, it's it's, it, it's yeah, it's yeah, yeah. If we don't start working together and, and uh, you know, RCOs, VSOs, you know, helping each other out because you know we all we all have a, a role to play to help the next person. I mean, that's you know. The basic 12-step, you know?
1: Yeah. Since it is a Memorial Day weekend, and we want to honor all those who have lost their lives in service, have you personally mourned uh, many lives of other vets? And if so, what process helps you to get through the feelings?
2: I've had a few veteran friends that have passed away, you know, during active duty and, you know, afterwards that I've met, you know, while in treatment you know and it, it's it's tough you know it's like you know you're losing a brother or you're losing a sister it's mm-hmm. it's that tight knit of a family and you know i just wish that there's there was more support out there for veterans i mean they, they you know you you probably heard of the 22 vets a day committing suicide but yeah. how many vets are are they not listing in there that overdose from drugs i mean that number is probably 75 a day you know, then it becomes a public outrage, but I'm like, why did they just, why did they separate them? From?
1: Right. And all of those suicides, how many are alcohol and drug related, yeah. you know? Right.
2: Yeah. I, yeah. I read an interesting report about uh, people in prison, right? I think they said like 60% are, are in there for uh, illegal drugs or drug related crimes. And I'm like, well, about the other 30%, were they trying to get drugs by doing whatever they were doing? I mean, to me, that's the best place to get people treated, you know.
1: Have you lost, uh, have you seen more loss of veterans um, or uh, loss of addicts and alcoholics in your life?
2: Um, Regular, normal people, I have. I I mean, I'm part of the uh, Charleston recovery community, and I've known about maybe 10 people in the last, well, since I got sober in the last five years of overdose
1: yeah that's tough. um tell us a little bit about um Costa Rica recovery
2: okay I, I was blessed I mean I, I was like I was telling you earlier that I was I was doing a lot of uh a lot of uh, things for veterans while I was in South Carolina and do one of the groups that that I was attending, uh, they had reached out to me asking if I was interested in becoming a veterans counselor for Costa Rica recovery. And, you know, and this was while I was working at the VA hospital. So I was like, well, no, I I have a great job, you know, great federal benefits. This is where I got sober. You know, this is where I could do the most, you know, good. But, you know, if you guys are inviting me to fly down here and, and, and put me up for a week, I'll take the trip you know? So, so it's kind of weird. I, I come down here and, you know, it's like, I'm walking around for the first day and I'm like, this is a beautiful city. San Jose is such a beautiful city. It's, mm-hmm. it's like green jungles, mountains, and all that. So uh, I walked, I get into the center and it's like, uh, as soon as I walk through the door, I hear laughing and, and laughing in the background. And I'm like, and it took me back to the time when uh, in my early recovery, when I was talking to another veteran. I was like, one of the things that I missed the most while I was out there running the streets was was laughing, you know, it was heartfelt laughing. You know? Yeah, yeah. So they, it it, it kind of touched me, and then it was like, uh, I got to look at their programs. I got to look at their veterans program, which is very unique. They're they're the only international treatment center that that can offer free treatment to any military uh, service-connected veterans. So I got to meet the staff, and the staff they were just as passionate as as I was. And I'm like, this is a place where I, I it feels like home. It's like all everything that I've gone through to get here uh-huh. was, was for this reason. So I was talking to uh, the executive director, and he, and he kept trying to get me to give him a solid answer whether or not I was I would wanted to be part of it. And I was like, yes, I do. So and and then it's like. I mean, it was like a match made in heaven. I, I love what I do. I love helping veterans. You know, I love uh, you know preaching the, the the power of recovery and how it could turn someone's life around. Because yeah, like like you know, you and I are both you know living proof that recovery works. I mean, look at our lives. Look at my how my life. Used absolutely,
1: to be. no, I wouldn't. Yeah. Well, obviously, we wouldn't be here speaking.
2: <laughs> yeah, absolutely,
1: <laughs> on the sober podcast. Yeah, we were, but. Uh, but yeah, it's so so true. So much in my life, but I like how your story um, comes back to the brotherhood, sisterhood, the familyhood of the of the veteran community. You know, um, you know, it was, it was kind of leaving it. You know, left you devastated. But then, you, when you hit bottom, you went. Uh, that's where you found recovery help, and then um, and then you you found this paradise in Costa Rica. Uh, of recovery
2: yeah that's one of one of the uh I don't know if they do it different now but back when I was leaving active duty there was well even while I was in active duty there was there was there was no meetings no nothing like that no no nothing about addiction you, you know you get a random drug test here and there but that was pretty much it that was the limit of of our knowledge that you know addiction is a disease that you know the alcohol or, or whatever will you know grab you and, and you know, steal your life from you. So I, I hope they're doing it different today. I, I'm not 100% on that, but I, I believe they are. So, I mean, it, it's it's if you can prepare someone a little bit better, let, let them know about programs that are, are available yeah. for veterans, then uh, to me, that's a, that's a step in the right direction.
1: Absolutely. Something we like to um, ask all of our guests is the final question. Is what's the best lesson you've learned in sobriety and how did it help you?
2: Just show up. I mean, to me, showing up each day, like when I was in my first year of recovery, you know, I was uh, I had to move back in with my mom. I had to had to walk a mile to the bus stop to take two buses to get downtown to get to my treatment and my drug court classes. I showed up each day, rain or shine. Even days I was injured, I, I I walked that mile to that bus stop because I knew that if I stayed in bed, my depression would kick in, my anxiety, then pretty soon yeah. I'd be you know, trying to find drugs or alcohol to so just show up. I mean, you just just like suit up and show up.
1: Yep, and apps and 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 I I mean I, you it was implicit in what you said, but but showing up is a lot of times people think okay yeah show up for work show up for your spouse show up for your family but show up for yourself first you know
2: yeah absolutely, absolutely. Uh,
1: and um, you know and I felt that today myself you know I was I was you know going down the self pity spiral and this isn't working out and that ha- hasn't happened but just by getting out of bed getting, I work for myself, I work at home. So, you know, but leaving the house, going to an in-person meeting, going, you know, working out at the gym and then, you know, just get, get moving, keep showing up and just, you know, start, start doing something and, you know, and things fall into place. Uh, and um, you you don't have time to, to wallow in uh, what you think is not right. Right.
2: Right. 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 Don't suffer the pity part. <laughs>
1: exactly. Exactly. Well, JR, um, it was an absolute pleasure talking to you. And again, happy Memorial Day and happy Memorial Day to um, all the vets out there. And to all our listeners, thank you for your continued support. Visit us on soberpodcast.com and all places where you find major podcasts. Leave us a review, sign up for the mailing list. You will also find contact information in the show notes for our guest. JR. I'm your host, Jamie Brickow. You can find me every day on TikTok, where I tell a true story in high heels. And I'm the author of Dangerous and Wet, a memoir of boo sex to my mother. Signing out from Sober Podcast. Tune in for another show next week. Thank you.
0: Thank you for joining us for this episode of The Sober Podcast. We hope that you have found this episode helpful and look forward to you joining us next time. As we continue to grow and implement positive change, we hope that you'll share our podcast with your friends and loved ones. They can find us on all the major podcast directories. If you have an idea for the show, want to leave positive feedback, ideas, or comments, connect with us on thesoberpodcast.com. You can also reach us on our social media platform on The Soberverse. We'd love to hear from you. A special thanks to all those who make this show happen Jamie Brickhouse, our host, Carrie, our producer, Carl Fessenden, our voice, and our sponsor, The Sober Network.